Trump Talk TV podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Real Talk Fantasy Football. I am joined by my dog, Jason Aponte, NFL. Not yet? Not yet. Uh, I was looking at it. Yo, I swear, Croc, I had my finger over the button to change it, and I got scared because I don't know what that means. What's the ramifications? Do I disappear? Well, I, you know what, man? I got to I gotta figure out how that works, man. <laughs> so Aponte is still Jason Aponte. One, two, uh, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, you know, he still has the... Uh, the the troll not troll but what what they call burner account he has burner the burner account, account mm-hmm. Twitter Twitter name all right I'm trying to get him to change it to something else anything else J- Jason Aponte NFL or you know yeah. you see what a lot of people do those things just Jason underscore Aponte anything other than the burner account Twitter handle that he currently has <laughs> but you know what the the fact that you know it keeps bothering you I think I might just keep it because <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so. Today we're going to go over the NFC West on this fantasy show. So, and I'm excited to talk about really a lot that the NFC has. NFC West has to bring some big dogs in this division. Where the Seattle, Arizona has some very intriguing receivers that they've added to their roster. Obviously, you know, 49ers and the Rams. I mean, they added Matthew Stafford, and I think that can have big time ramifications on the fantasy landscape in the NFC West. So, before we get started, make sure you guys, if you're not already subscribed. To the YouTube channel, Crock Talk TV. So I know there's some of you guys see Leo right now. Leo, get off of Periscope. Head over to YouTube. We need those views. All right, baby. So subscribe right now. Hit that like button. Jay Aponte, you are not you are you are a not guy. Well, you are uh, not a guy. Just just don't, don't don't worry about him, man. He's just gonna troll this entire time <laughs> in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, Leo, you can do all those uh, the trolling, but head over to YouTube and do it in there, all right? So subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the like button right now, support the show, all that good stuff. Uh, super chats are accepted, appreciated. We like all that good stuff, okay? And if you aren't already, head over to underdogfantasy.com or the Underdog Fantasy app. Download that on your phone. And when you deposit a minimum of $10, type in promo code Crocky. He's going to throw an additional $25 into your account. If you're not in there, we have some uh, shoes. We got some leagues that we're going to be doing together. There's already two leagues that I've started. A lot of people in there. Best ball format right now. Once the season starts, they got all kind of uh, player prop things. So when the 49ers play against the Seattle Seahawks, all right, they actually have these little battles that you can wager on and put money on and everything. And all you got to pick is, Who's going to do better, DK Metcalf or Debo Samuel? And then to show their numbers and you can do like the over, under, all kind of cool stuff. So it's a great app, Underdog Fantasy. If you have not downloaded it already, download the app, promo code Crocky, all that good stuff. Let's go. All right. So with no further ado, how you doing, Jay? I'm good, man. I'm ready to talk NFC West. And like you said, there's a lot of heavy hitters, a lot of guys that, that are going to be coming out of this division that are going to win people championships, that are going to be pillars on people's fantasy teams. And look, I know that, you know, we're into 49ers content, but, you know, you're going to hear us talk good about, you know, some division <laughs> rivals. But hey, we're here right now in the under the basis of fantasy football and trying to win you guys some money and some, uh, you know, some fantasy championships. And, and that's what it should all be about. All right, here we go. So I, I'm assuming that this is Javi or one That's of Javi's Leo. army. Oh, this is Leo. Okay, yeah. so hop Okay, so he's on you. Okay, we we appreciate it, Leo. We're not going to answer this question yet because we are going to get to the Arizona Cardinals and then we'll kind of do like a roundup. Uh, I see Nate Glizzy. That's my dog right there. 
no more Cam Akers would have been perfect RB2 fantasy. Man, you ain't lying. I, I watched, I went back and was going through some numbers last year. He had some big games late in the year. Yes. And then in the playoffs, there's, there's a lot expected of him. But let's get into the first team here. We have the Seattle Seahawks. All right. And obviously, if you're a 49er fan in here, I'm pretty sure we got some 49er guys in here. Uh, they got the boogeyman over there. They have Russell Wilson. Now, there was this big let Russ cook campaign last year. And then they, like, continued to let him cook. And I don't know if that's what happened where his season just kind of started going downhill because he was, like, MVP candidate. And all of a sudden, things started going downhill. Obviously, over there, they got some other things kind of going on with their defense. It was, like, a historically bad defense, right? So I don't know. Let me ask you this. Did the historically bad defense contribute to – Russell Wilson's cooking numbers, almost like Dak Prescott with Dallas Cowboys. Do you think that has, or do you think that that's who Russell Wilson is going to be from here on out? What can we expect from him from a fantasy standpoint? So I think there was a philosophical change. You know, yes, it has to do with their defense also, but they also started passing more on first down. And you remember how Seattle used to run their offense. It was very archaic. Brian Schottenheimer wanted to put football back into the 1932s. You run on first, you run on second, and then maybe you pass on third to get the, you know. So they wanted to get the ball out of Russell's hands in the first first down. And, and that's what, what you saw early in the season. They had a 60-40 split. I believe early in the season of run pass. And that's, I mean, that's not like the, yeah, the Seattle Seahawks, especially, yeah. you know, so, but that's what contributes in the first eight games. Here, here's some of the totals in the first eight games for Russ, as far as fantasy points, 32, 33, 36, 20, 24, 29, 28, 22, never lower than 20 points, that baseline and that sort of upside, you can't touch it. Now, what happened was, and you know, this is real football we're talking. That offensive line couldn't hold up. Russ held the ball a bunch, and, and people started catching on to the whole just throw it up and hope DK and Lockett come down with it. This is what you saw in the next eight games, 9, 20, 14, 15, 22, 12, 19, 18. Only twice over 20 points, one single-digit game, and a lot of that had to do with Chris Carson missed some games. Um, and, and, you know, Russell Wilson didn't play well at the end of the year. Let's just call a spade a spade. This isn't a 49ers show. This is just what it is. So how much of that has to do with defenses catching on and how much of that has to do with the fact that maybe it's not always let Russ cook the entire time that a lot of, a lot of what he gets is off play action. And when the run game is running well, and that's when he's really efficient, right? Like he could throw the ball 25 times, complete 2022 and be fine with that. Like he doesn't need these, these large numbers, obviously with, with fantasy, you want more passing attempts, but I don't know if Russell Wilson is somebody that you want to be doing that, having him drop back continuously, take hits, you know, because Russ started playing backyard ball and thought that he was just going to get away with that down the end, down the stretch. And they just didn't play well at the end of the year. Yeah. Like even they almost lost to the 49ers at the end of the year with CJ Beathard. You know, we, we all remember that game too, but that was just a microcosm of what happened the rest of the year. So it's really, it's really weird what happened with, uh, with the switch. It's literally eight games and then eight games. So a lot of what, what's about it is that they have the lowest pace of play. I think it's like at the bottom of the league, which is, 56 or 57 plays per game. So they have a new offensive coordinator who was the past game coordinator from the Rams, Shane Waldron. And Russ has talked about it being more complex. I don't really buy into that because everybody always says whatever new offense is complex. No, probably not. But I don't think it's also fair to think that to expect from this at offense to be copy and paste what McVay did. I don't think that that's what, what we're looking at. Right? Like you could say, Hey, he was over there with the Rams. He's just going to bring McVay's offense over. I don't think that that's, what's going to happen. What I do expect is a little bit more leaning towards the run, because that's what, uh, that's what 
Pete Carroll wants deep down and more plays, which is good for fantasy, right? So it's it's as long as his defense is bad, they'll be in as many shootouts as they need, though, as well, too. So that really helps as well because I mean, you could tell me, do you think that they've improved this defense in any way that would make you say, man, they're better this year? Or well, you know, look at the cornerbacks, and you know, I've always liked the Keller Witherspoon. So we'll see if he can help. You got DJ Reed over there. So you got two 49ers who Reed has some injuries injuries and whatnot. Uh, he was more of a slot slash safety with the 49ers, played more outside, picked off 49ers last year. You got Diggs. I like him. It looks like they might be looking to lock up Jamal Adams. We'll see what happens with that. And I know from a coverage standpoint, you know, he gets a lot of grief. But from a playmaking standpoint, there's probably not a more playmaking safety in the league than Jamal Adams in the sense of how he affects games at the line of scrimmage, in the run game. Uh, the sacks that he gets, like he affects a game and makes you have to think about where he is. He does a lot of freelancing. So that could be tough on the opposing team. So we'll see if the defense kind of comes together a little bit. I like Diggs, uh, Quadri Diggs back there in the secondary, but it's still definitely iffy. And their pass rush, I mean, it, it, that was probably what killed them the most. So we, we got to see, are they going to improve from the pass rush standpoint? And if they do that, then they will be a little bit better. They did get Kerry Hyder, I believe, right? Was it the Seahawks? Yes, they did. Mm-hmm. Paid him? And yes. he wasn't like a pure speed rush or anything like that, but he was a guy who just won. And he won a lot yeah. with like hustle, things like that. So he can definitely improve that uh, from that standpoint and probably will be looking to have a big game against the 49ers and other teams in the NFC West. He knows that division a little bit more now. So we'll, we'll see. I, I wouldn't, I don't expect, the Seahawks defense to be as bad as it That's was bad. last year. And if it's not, like we spoke about already, will they will will Russell Wilson continue to put up the fantasy numbers that he did last season? That that's going to be a big if if that defense starts to play well and they can lean a little bit more on the run game. You're right. And and listen, I'm not having said all of those things, Russell Wilson's still a top 10 quarterback with plenty of upside, right? As long as as long as they lean more to a run. But here's the, here's the question that I'll pose to you, Croc. He is right now ranked in between, and I think these rankings are going to change because we know something for certain. He was ranked right in with Justin Herbert and Aaron Rodgers. I know who I want of those three right now because I know who's playing again. It's Aaron Rodgers. But that was an interesting discussion that you would have had to have before we found out the information about Rodgers. But I'll ask you this, and then you know maybe we'll take some comments on it. Justin Herbert or Russell Wilson for fantasy. That's going to be a really good discussion. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's I mean, that's... Right there, yeah. Right. And and remember, you know, Anthony Lynn was there last year with Herbert. Now he has somewhat of a new offense. I'm not really too worried about that. You know, the weapons are there. But oh, actually, um, the pass game coordinator, I believe, from the Saints, uh, I believe his last name is Lombardi, is actually coming over to uh, the Chargers. And he talks about using Mike Williams in a new way that he's never been used. And, and you know he's a weapon still. No matter what the, the numbers bear out, the guy still can play ball. And Keenan Allen's a stud. Austin Eckler's there. For me, um, I feel like the Justin Herbert thing leans a little bit more upside, but there's no one more safe, I think, for, for this season than Russell Wilson. It all depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for a little bit more upside, then shoot for Justin Herbert. If you need a guy who's going to give you a baseline, I don't suspect that we'll see this huge drop-off from one, one side of the season into the other with Russell Wilson. So I guess that's what I have to say on Russ. All right. So obviously we know that they want to lean more towards the run game, right? And if they want to do that, does that mean – the stock of Chris Carson goes way up. He's a guy I'm really high on. And I, I originally, mm-hmm. before that injury, had Cam Akers, the number one running back in this division, just because of how I felt like they were going to use him. Now, I, I'd say, I mean, you know, we'll get to Raheem Mostert, but he, he can have as big a year of anyone. But is 
the 49ers, are they going to give him a bulk of the carries? They just drafted, uh, you know, a running back, you know, high, and that's going to take – when we'll get to the 49ers, mm-hmm. I know how Seattle's going to use uh, Chris Carson, right? So what are your kind of expectations for him? And not just Chris Carson for, you know, the Seahawks and the NFC West, but really kind of overall because he is someone that definitely is going to get the rock a good amount. Yeah, and, and you have to remember how – like they signed him to a two-year deal, um, so this they've clearly wanted him back. And then you start to look at the depth behind Chris Carson. Okay, they took Rashad Penny, who was really high up, Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, Alex Collins, who found his way back on this roster. Not really worried about any of those guys. And if Chris Carson were to go down, it's not like you can run right to the waiver wire and say, oh, I'm plugging in Rashad Penny. I believe that I'm what I really believe that this is the Chris Carson show. You know, he lost four games last year, but a lot of what happened with his reception total, which he tied his career high with 37 last year, had to do with run, with throwing on first down. I believe he caught a bunch of passes early on in the season, especially in Atlanta in those first few games. Um, he's clearly the guy that they want to get the ball to. If Pete Carroll is able to impose his will with the way that the offense works, he's going to see more touches. Um, and I think you're right. Now that Cam Akers is down, no disrespect to anybody, and the 49er fans are going to come from my head. I think that Chris Carson is probably the best running back in the NFC West with Cam Akers down. Sorry, Raheem Mostert. Sorry, everybody else. But um, I just think that's what it is. He's he's routinely one of the most under uh, underrated fantasy assets every year. He falls in drafts, and we're talking about that him being in a spot with like David Montgomery and these guys and it depends on what you want, really. And I think that Chris Carson, while he has his injury concerns, I believe that because he's in a better offense. So look, David Montgomery is going to get 20 touches, right? Tariq Cohen is not right. coming back from – or he's not coming back right away. So it's essentially going to be David Montgomery and Damian Williams. Um, with Chris Carson, I don't see a split. There's no split over there with him. And I believe that the Seattle is going to have a better offense than Chicago, and unless Justin Fields, you know, ends up playing, right? So let's just right. operate under the assumption that Andy Dalton's going to start then I'm definitely giving me Seattle and definitely giving me Chris Carson. So 37 receptions tied his uh, his his career high, and he missed four games with no real handcuff or split. And Carson is one of the better RB2s with a lot of upside. And the kicking ball, man, he runs violently, and that's what kind of leads to his injury stop, his injury problems. But, uh, I mean, I, I love Chris Carson this year, and I think that it's his show. He's going to get all the goal line looks for an offense that I expect is going to have more plays per game, going to pick it up and lean more towards the run. I don't know how you can really walk away from Chris Carson at this point. Well, I mean, you look at some of the guys that will be on the roster uh, with him, uh, you know, running the ball. You got Rashad Penny, Travis Homer. I'd expect those guys to not really be any, you know, factors. No, they're not in the way, right? It's not a split at all in any way, right? right? It's not like, you know, when when Tariq Cohen is on the field, David Montgomery and him, they don't split like 50-50, but they're, the passing downs are definitely going to go to Tariq Cohen. I, like maybe third downs where somebody will come in, but for the most part, it's going to be the Chris Carson show. And you can't really, when you're looking at where you're drafting and where he's going to be in RB2, can't really beat that sort of volume in such a good offense as well. So, I mean, as long as Pete Carroll's committed to running the ball, yeah, I'm going to take a shot on Chris Carson in, in those uh, in those rounds, and especially when you talk about that tier group. Yeah, all right, so let's get into what everybody really cares about, Ooh. right? Like, where do we take DK Metcalf? Where do we take Tyler Lockett? Tyler Lockett's the guy who, I mean, everybody talks about DK Metcalf. And obviously for, you know, good reason. I mean, dude's a baller mm-hmm. and what do you have, 1,300 yards last year or something crazy like that? 1,300. With, mm-hmm. Yeah. So DK's going to give you the 1,310 touchdowns. Tyler Lockett, still over 1,000, 10 touchdowns. And then they added a guy like Dwayne Eskridge. What do you think about this receiving core, especially if, you know, they let Russ cook 
a little bit more or the same as they did last year? Do you see those guys kind of repeating those numbers and then how they kind of stack up in the uh, receiver landscape around fantasy football? Yeah, and when it comes to the projections, I'm going to project them a little bit higher than where they're at because they're going to run six, seven more plays per game. And I know that that doesn't sound like a lot, but if that's four more targets, then that's you've got to divvy that up that way. Four times 17, that's a lot more plays, right? So this is this yeah. is what I'm talking about when you're talking about pace of play. Here's what I want to talk about with Tyler Lockett. He is always slept on, always. I don't understand it. And and when, when I start reading off these numbers, you'll understand. 132 targets, 100 receptions, 1,054 yards, 10 touchdowns. 16.6 points per game, right behind who? DK Metcalf at 17 points per game. Uh -huh. Clearly, that shift to the pass-heavy approach helped them both, but there's no reason to think that that can't continue, right? And also, here's what here's where I get it messed up, and this is where I kind of push back on consensus rankings. Right now, Tyler Lockett is ranked 23rd. Adam Thielen is ranked 20th. Give me Tyler Lockett every single day, twice on Sundays over Adam Thielen, who, yeah. who is – listen, I understand. He's somebody who – is has been producing for three years i get it the adam thielen thing but adam thielen scored all his points basically on touchdowns last year it's hard to duplicate that and for me my money it's just them two. when you look at their wide receiver group past lockett and metcalf it gets hairy we're talking about like swain and eskridge and all these other guys who we'll get into i mean i guess real quick but you know in a pass heavy approach obviously that helped tyler lockett but here's the thing here's the question that i'll pose to you and everybody else tyler lockett right now is ranked behind DJ Moore and Kenny Galladay. I don't know if I'm taking Kenny Galladay over Tyler Lockett. And, well, and I, think what, I think what people yeah. are, are expecting is for, you know, uh, 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 Galladay to be Daniel the Jones. main guy in New York as opposed to, you know, Lockett, who might be, you can consider him 1A, 1B. Some people might think he's just B to DK Metcalf. So if Galladay is going to be the guy, then I, I could see why. Now I trust Russell Wilson more. Thank to you. That's Lockett more mm -hmm. involved than I do yes. with Daniel Jones being able to have this cohesiveness with Kenny Galladay. And Galladay has dealt with more injuries, where it seems like Lockett's always on the field and healthy. Right. So I think that's where you know between the two, especially if Galladay is going higher, I would lean more Lockett as well. Yeah. So that's my thing. Is is just realistically what can you project so when you take kenny holiday you're projecting that they that they get it together and they work well but what do i know i know that tyler lock is going to be hit with with targets i know his quarterback i know that he's been there so i don't have to speculate with tyler lockett that's a set it and forget it wide receiver two week in week out right um so I don't know about that one. The DJ Moore one is the one that I struggle with a little bit more. But that's me also projecting with Sam Darnold, right? Because I believe that DJ Moore is going to find his way into the slot. It'll be outside Terrace Marshall and, and Robbie Anderson. And, you know, you and I have talked about this. And my, my DJ Moore love is all over the timeline. If he's in the slot, he's going to whip everybody's ass who's trying to guard him in the slot. Like, it's not even going to be close, I think. And he's just going to have so many targets. Darnold hyper targets the slot. As you saw when Jamison Crowder was balling. Those type of things are going to happen with DJ Moore. So that's a far more interesting discussion. But when you talk about Galladay and Lockett, I don't really think it's that close. And I, I really would not want to take a shot on Galladay because you're trying to project something that you haven't seen while yeah. I know what I'm getting from Lockett. And that's the problem. It's like, you want to take that chance? Exactly. 100%. All right, real 100%. quick. Well, this is not the NFC show, NFC East show. This is the NFC West show. But we got Marcus uh, Mosher in here. And we have talked about the Cowboys already, but I want to see if he can kind of answer this in the comments. You got – I saw a clip of CeeDee Lamb today lined up outside. He was predominantly really slot 
all Slot. year last season. And now I'm wondering from a fantasy standpoint, are his numbers going to go even up higher? Are the Cowboys going to start moving him around? Is he going to be just a purely outside guy? Is he going to play a lot of slot? Are going to move him all the way around the, the offense? If so, I think we might see a spike in his numbers, and we could have possibly uh, undersold him just a little bit. So that's a question for uh, Marcus. We'll see if he responds to that. All right. But one last thing on the Seattle Seahawks. They have two tight ends. One, Will Disley. We'll see how he recovers. And if you ask Seahawks fans, I think they like him more than they they think George Kittle, like right there, I was like, oh, he's better than George Kittle. So you have Disley. We'll see how they much they incorporate him, and I'll ask you a little bit about him. But they also have Jared Everett, who's been a really solid pass-catching tight end coming over from the Rams, I believe, right? He was with the Rams last year, the last few years. So he's a receiving tight, tight end. You got Will Disley. How do you see their tight end situation kind of playing out? Uh, I mean, with that one, I mean, we, we glossed over DK Metcalf. We'll get back to him. But as far as those two go, I'm not taking any shots on them. If you want to take a shot on one of those guys, then you better hope that that's the week that you know they're going to get a touchdown. Play the odds. Play the team that gives up the most points to the, the fantasy tight ends. And if they've given up touchdowns in four, five, six straight games, then you target him in one week. I don't want any part of Joe Everton with this league. And you're right. Uh, Seahawks fans love Will Disley, but that organization loves Will Disley. And that's my thing is that Gerald Everett might just be somebody who, you know, you to play basketball big guy makes all the sense in the world for him to play tight end but will disley isn't going anywhere and i could see them um, you know splitting the snaps and for me you're just playing a game of hoping they score a touchdown and then uh, that's the game i want to stay away from but back to dk metcalf real quick we kind of like glossed over him real quick this is these are his numbers last year this is crazy so last year tyler lockett had three more targets 83 receptions, right? So that's a lot less, right? So his efficiency was down, like, as far as, like, his catch rate, but 1,303 yards and 10 touchdowns. He's currently ranked number six, an elite, elite option. Here's what I'll pose to you, Croc. DK, Justin Jefferson. Listen to this. Five more catches for Jefferson, 73 more yards, and three less touchdowns. Now, here's what I want to point out with Jefferson. First two games of last year, Justin Jefferson only had three targets the first two games, three and three. Three and three, right? And then the third week against Tennessee, he blew up, and that was the end of it, right? So over his last 14 games, Justin Jefferson averaged eight and a half targets per game. He finished four behind DK in targets. Now think about that, right? Think about that. He only has six targets in his first two games, and he only finished four behind DK. So eight per game for Metcalf, eight and a half for Justin Jefferson, and I, that's going to be the decision that people are going to have to make. I was just in a best ball draft right now where it, DK was on the board and Justin Jefferson was on the board. Justin Jefferson went first over DK. How do you mm. feel about that? Mm-hmm. That was see, that was tough. It's, here's the tough thing. One, we'll see. You know, it seems like the Vikings are trying to get away from Kirk Cousins, but we know he brings this sense of stability, as does Russell Wilson, right? And then I think the part that I'm not sure about is do we see the same – productivity from just from Justin Jefferson because I mean having 1400 yards as a rookie it reminds me a little bit of of uh, Trevor Lawrence right he won a national title as a freshman and then you look at it and it's like well it's only up from here right like but he set the standard for mm -hmm. him so he set the bar so high and he was never quite able to achieve that or go above it so we'll see if we see Justin Jefferson do better which would be tough when you are a 1,400-yard receiver, or if we see him maybe take a dip, which I'd actually predict that a little bit more. Yeah. As far as DK Metcalf and with who his quarterback is and how they throw the ball downfield with him, I think that's going to continue to kind of go up. 
Yeah, and that's the thing, right? You have to project regression. And I think that there's a world where Justin Jefferson finishes as a top 10 wide receiver, which I believe he will, and regress. He was too efficient last year. It's almost impossible to duplicate what was done last year. And I think that's really what it is. I'm not telling you that I'm down on Justin Jefferson. I'm just saying if you're taking Justin Jefferson and automatically locking yourself into 1,400 yards and such, the only way that he's going to maybe offset the, the dip in receiving yards is having more touchdowns. And we're going to see how that plays out, you know, and, and, you know, you can't really sell me on the excuse of, oh, well, they didn't know what the game plan for, bro. After week three, everybody knew where Justin Jefferson was and they, <laughs> to find him and they still couldn't stop him. So that's going to be an interesting discussion for drafters. Like you take DK because you know what you're getting and he's done that. And DK still has a little bit more to unlock when you talk about his targets, right? His targets, he bring in a hundred like Tyler Lockett did, but Justin Jefferson, it's hard to duplicate what he did last year because it was so amazing. And I think you're right. When you set the bar this high, sometimes you already hit here. Not that he's peaked as the receiver, but he might have peaked with his receiving numbers. So that's the that's the thing that I'll throw out there. And and for that reason, I'm out. I'm I'm out on all those tight ends. I'm out on all those tight ends. <laughs> hey, hey, Brandon. Hey, I like that. We got to put this on a t-shirt, man. Hey, we. Hey, you guys, stay tuned. We're gonna have some real talk fantasy football t-shirts coming out. Some merch, and on there, we're gonna have a big, uh, the big writing across the front. And for that reason, I'm out. Hashtag can you pull Jason. Up, can you pull up that Brandon Vincent one? Um, so the Vikings defense last year was awful, very bad. Oh. It was not elite. It was not elite at all. Like, it, wow. listen, they they won games. They won games, and then Mike Zimmer went to the podium and was like, "I'm sick of this defense." Uh, uh, uh. Like, he never even praised his offense at all. Mike Zimmer's a defensive guy. They, you know, that they want to run the ball and everything, but that defense was Swiss. Like, they gave up 42 to Aaron Rodgers week one. They were getting ripped last year. Um, so yeah, that they were in a lot of shootouts. So I, you, I think you're thinking of the perception of the Vikings defense from years past. They're not elite at all anymore. I don't even think they're top ten at this point. Um, when you when you start to look at the other defensive units, so I'm not worried about that at all. They will be more. They will be in shootouts, and Justin Jefferson will get his targets. It's just hard to be that efficient. He had like a 72 percent catch rate. That's hard. That's hard to duplicate. And and you know a lot of that has to do with who his quarterback is because he put it on Justin Jefferson too. So show some love to Kirk Cousins when you start talking about Justin Jefferson because those mm. people, Justin Jefferson didn't have to reach for nothing. He was in strike catching things, and then he's out on people. Like that, that's the difference between completions and accuracy, right? You can complete right. a pass and have a guy slide and catch it that's a catch but accuracy is hitting him in stride and letting him work after the play so yeah i'm not i'm not really worried about it. and maybe they'll take a step up maybe the, maybe the vikings will take a step up i'm not worried about their defense being you know i know that they want to run the ball but justin jefferson is still the number one if you're worried about anybody in the vikings offense be worried about adam Thielen. and that's why i, I and for that reason i'm on adam Thielen. <laughs> <laughs> all right here we go we got we got a donation here super chat Double B Studio, we appreciate the super chat, and we are obligated to answer your question now. Who's going to produce more yards, Stafford or Russell? Oh man, passing yards! And don't get too deep into to the to the Rams yet. Do you want to answer this question we, and come back to it after we talk about the Rams? Yeah, we'll come back to it. I, I, yeah, we can, right. we can switch hey, over. Yeah, we can. that would be. We appreciate the the super chat. Shoes, I'll leave this up here for the moment right here just to show our appreciation and anybody else that wants to leave Super Chat, they are highly recommended. All right, but we'll leave that up there for a little while and we are going to get back to this comment. But actually, hold on, let me get here right here. With the promo code Crocky, do you get a free, do you get uh, fantasy free? You don't get fantasy free, but if you put promo code Crocky on the uh, Underdog Fantasy Football app or Underdog Fantasy app, it gives you extra $25 to play with. So essentially, yeah, I guess you do get some free fantasy football or any other sport out there. They got all sports on there. 
All right. Now let's get into the Rams. All right. And then we'll get to this right here. Matter of fact, right now. So the Rams, number one fantasy defense last year. All right. Uh, still team was kind of up and down offensively. Obviously, that's why they went away from Jared Goff. They definitely upgraded having Matthew Stafford. And when I say upgraded, I mean from the standpoint of just getting better quarterback play. Now, we have seen Jared Goff throw for a ton of yards and be one of the top uh, passing yardage guys in the league. I don't know if that's what they ideally want. They want to lean on the run game a little bit more, but it seems like they're kind of building around Matthew Stafford and having some weapons. What do you think? What are you expecting from Matthew Stafford? Well, when you're talking about the players, I don't think that it's even close when you're talking about what Stafford can do and what golf can do, right? And you talked about this offense, and I think the offense was amazing last year considering what Sean McVay could call and what was limited to him because Jared Goff is, let's just, for lack of a better word, call him limited, right? You know, he has to hold his hand all the way up to, like, the last second and let him know where the pressure's coming from. He'll have to do that with Matthew Stafford, right? Now, here's the thing. If Cam Akers was here, then I could see a shift closer to more runs. Now that Daryl Henderson is here, and we'll get into all of that because I know you guys want to know about that, I can see them lifting their passing game up, not only because of the arm talent, but there'll be more pass plays. They're going to have to throw a little bit more because last year the offensive line kind of struggled to open up holes for uh, Daryl Henderson when he was, you know, the guy who was getting the bulk of it. Because remember, in the beginning of the year, it was Malcolm Brown and, like, Daryl Henderson. Cam Akers didn't get involved until the end of the year. So we have a sample size of Daryl Henderson not carrying the load, but being there for a majority of the snaps. So that offense had a trouble, had trouble getting things open for him. But Cam Akers is different than all of those guys. He can make more from less, right? He's, he has a little more wiggle. He has a little more juice, right? That's why they drafted him. So I definitely see an increase in passing attempts here with this offense, especially if the offensive line takes a step back, even though the Whitworth is going to be there. I know that they lost some people. So I think it's going to be really interesting. And I think that McVay is going to play with his shiny new toy. Like he, he, he went to these great lengths to go get him. They literally had no first round pick until 2085 and they, they went all in with Stafford. So I think they're going to use him in that way. So yes, I think that if we're talking about who's going to produce more yards passing, give me Stafford right now, give me Stafford on July 27th. Um, You know, because I think that they're going to have to, when you look at what Seattle wants to do, Seattle wants to bring the pass down. And the Rams are probably going to have to increase it, not because they necessarily want to, but I think because of necessity and the way game flows are going to go, if, especially if the running game struggles a little bit. So Matthew Stafford is a top 12 quarterback with top five upside if uh, all the things land right for him. Um, and this is the best caller he's ever been with. And, and that's not even close. Uh, I mean, and, and you can say what you want about, you know, he had Megatron in Detroit. Cool. Who was calling the plays? Jim Bob Cooter and some of the other guys, those were like his offensive coordinators. Now it's Sean McVay. So you have to remember all of these things. When he runs those bootlegs out with Jared Goff, he runs them at three levels. There's always one guy open, and it's always up to the quarterback to uh, get it to them. And I think the staff is going to ball, man. I just think that out of necessity, he's going to have to pass more than Russell Wilson. So uh, I'm not predicting that he'll finish with more fantasy points than Russell Wilson, but I am predicting that he'll probably have more passing yards than him. Yeah, and I think that's that's a tough thing with Matthew Stafford. I've talked about it. There are a lot of people that are kind of down on him. Heard Jimmy Ward's uh, comments about, hey, man, you know, not having much success. Uh, he's the same guy that had Megatron and, you know, wasn't winning playoff games and whatnot. One thing I will say about Matthew Stafford, and this kind of gets overlooked a little bit, is for any quarterback, no matter how good you are, it is extremely difficult to – you can – you can it's difficult, but you can play well with a bad roster. Right. So we've seen him with some maybe not so great rosters and we see some numbers he put up or even being able to have a Hall of Fame receiver like Calvin Johnson. 
but obviously they didn't have the success in the playoffs that you would like to see from such an elite, talented quarterback. The thing that's really difficult is being able to overcome having bad organizational structure, right? So those are two things. One, okay, I want to lift my team because I have a bad roster. That's great. But can I lift my team when I have bad organizational structure? And you just don't see that. And that's why a lot of times the organizations that are just poorly built, they continue to lose and don't have success. And he went through that a lot with Detroit. Now, what's it going to look like in the Rams? I think Rams have much better organizational structure. This is a team that has been to the playoffs three out of the last four years. They have not had a losing season with Sean McVay. Sean McVay, I take him over any coordinator that uh, Stafford has ever had with the Lions. He never had a run game. I think I saw a crazy stat before last season where he had like seven 100-yard rushers 100 yard in his games. entire career. So he's never even able to kind of like lean on or depend on a run game. The defense had been really up and down most of his career. So this is the best situation he's ever been in. Now, there ain't going to be no more excuses after this, but just from the standpoint of what is he? What can he be? We're going to set this year, but if I had to put money on it, I bet that we'd see the best version of Matthew Stafford, even in the first year in a different offense. So uh, that that's him. 100%. Now, they lost Cam Akers, and that's somebody who we were really expecting to have a big year and for him to lean on. But they got Daryl Henderson, who they drafted a couple years ago. Now, I remember watching him rip off some nice runs against the 49ers. What are you kind of expecting from him from a productivity? Can he replace – acres and be what he is because the running back position is one of those positions that is a little bit more plug and play. So mm -hmm. can they just plug in Daryl Henderson and him be able to produce or somewhat close to what we thought from Cam acres? What do you think? See, the problem is that his ADP is skyrocketing now after that, right? And now he's getting to a point where he's too pricey because I don't think that they're just going to turn this all the way over to Daryl Henderson, right? Daryl Henderson was drafted the year before, and he split with Malcolm Brown early in the year before Cam Akers took over, right? So if they felt that way about him, they would have just ran it right through him, right? And that's, that's conventional wisdom, right? He only right. had 20 touches one time against the Buffalo Bills, and he turned it into 114 yards and a touchdown. It's less about me talking bad about him as a player, about how much he's going to cost. I'm going to let everyone else draft Daryl Henderson and deal with that split that's coming. And here, let me explain. Sean Vay came out and said he's not playing any preseason because he has some sort of injury. They, they haven't disclosed what it is yet, right? And I, I think it was last show when we talked about Cam Akers, I kept talking about Xavier Jones. Xavier Jones is going to get all the run in preseason. If Xavier Jones shows something, he's headed towards a split with Daryl Henderson. Do you want to have a split for a guy right now who's being taken in the fourth round? Absolutely not. And for that reason, I'm out on Daryl Henderson. Um, <laughs> it, it's, just, it, it's just his ADP. It's too much, man. It's the, it's the ADP. It's the injury. And, I, and I, they really like Xavier Jones. The only reason that he wasn't on this roster is because they had three guys that they you know, they trust Malcolm Brown, they trust Daryl Henderson, and Cam Akers eventually will take it over. But Xavier Jones is somebody that, you know, now he's going to get all the run with Daryl Henderson not playing any of the preseason games, and they're holding him out for week one. I just don't think that it's going to be what everybody thinks it is of Daryl Henderson with, like, 17, 18 rushes and, like, four or five catches. I just don't think that that's in the cards. I think it's way more close to a split than people want to believe. And I'm going to let other people reach for Daryl Henderson while I try to get my guys like Miles Gaskin and other guys who are slipping in rounds who still have a stranglehold on the on the work. And with Daryl Henderson, it's just a name because you, you go down the depth chart, Cam Akers gets injured. Everybody's like, oop, Daryl Henderson to the moon. Yep, his ADP is going too high. Don't want any part of him because it's too pricey. That's it. 
And, I mean, we talked about the run game a little bit. Now you look at the receivers that they have, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, Deshaun Jackson, Tutu Otwell, who they drafted in the second round. So you'd expect him to be involved to some extent, not just as a return guy, a guy that they want to get the ball to and get the ball in his hands. Robert Woods has been a steady guy. I mean, since he's gotten to the Rams, I mean, he's had, like, this totally revamped career. I mean, he was balling at USC. So that's what we were all expecting. But – Went to Buffalo, and at the time, Buffalo wasn't that great. So his productivity wasn't very good. Came to the Rams. He's been amazing ever since. I want to say like a 1,000-yard receiver every year. At least that's what it seems like. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have Cooper Cup. He's been awesome when healthy. You know, obviously he dealt with, uh, what was it, torn ACL one year. But for the most part, he's been like your legit slot. And he's done extremely well from that standpoint, able to really be pr productive. And then you add Van Jefferson. He was drafted last year. I'm curious to see where Van Jefferson fits in with the likes of Deshaun Jackson. How are they going to get Tutu Altwell involved? Those are five guys right there that you would expect to kind of be on the roster. Deshaun Jackson, he's wearing number one. So I don't know if he's feeling like he's back at Cal and he's going to be this just explosive receiver. Jackson is – we graduated the same year, 2005. Wow. wow. And I'm 34. So he's 34. I think I saw he might be 35. I can't run anymore. He's still doing his thing uh, running down the field. What are you expecting really from this group as a whole? Because it's I, – I, I'd expect Woods and Cup to kind of do their thing. But after that, it's kind of – do you take any of these guys in the draft? I saw Deshaun Jackson late in the draft, and I was still scared to kind of take him. Yeah, so in best ball formats, Deshaun Jackson, that's his thats his land. That's where he lives because you don't want to have to worry about what week to play him. In best ball, when he goes off, week one is the week is the week to always play Deshaun Jackson. Never fails. Every single year, set your watch to it. Two touchdowns, 130 yards, same thing with Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins and Deshaun Jackson are week one studs. And then everybody's like, oh, look, I got a plug-and-play wide receiver too. Next week, three catches, 37 yards, nothing, right? So best ball, go for it. At the end of your rounds, go take Deshaun Jackson, go for it. Because all he really needs to do is have one or two big plays, and boom, he's made your week. You just don't want to have to be worrying about when to play him. As far as Bobby Trees goes, that's what we call him over here in his fantasy in the <laughs> fantasy world, 90 catches a year. Caught a tie's career high with six touchdowns last year. He also adds two rushing touchdowns. Like, I know we talk about Debo Samuel with the jet sweeps. Robert Woods is literally one of the better guys with that as well. Like, that's also a, a staple of the McVay offense, and that's how they use him. So he creates himself about 14, 15 more touches off of rushes, right? So he had 10 less targets than a year before. But now we're talking about a bump in quarterback play. We, we are. And, and how could you not be excited about him? So I'm definitely in on Robert Woods. Here's where it's going to get, get uh, a little bit hairy for people. And I keep saying it, but 17th, he's ranked in between Amari Cooper, who is currently on PUP and Chris Godwin. Right. Everybody's going to run to Chris Godwin because they think that, hey, high power Bucks offense. Problem is too many mouths to feed. And Brady uh, is going to just spread that thing around. Right. You'll have weeks where Godwin wins you weeks. But the consistency levels, can he like. Just straight up, just be across the board solid. There's going to be weeks where he's down, up, down, up. And, yeah, you're going to wind up taking him. I'm not saying don't draft him, but I'm just saying when it comes to Robert Woods, he is so reliable. 90 catches seems like his floor with a bunch of upside, 129 targets. 
Yeah, I'm all in on Bobby Trees. He consistently gets overlooked in drafts. I don't understand how you can have a wide receiver too who is so steady all this all this time and just let him fly by in your draft. So yes, you can shoot for a little bit more upside, Amari Cooper, you know, but he has to deal with two other guys who are very good at his position. And Chris Godwin has to deal with Evans and the way that and 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 Tom Brady's propensity to throw the ball underneath and get that ball out of there quickly. So either he's throwing it to Gronk um, quickly or he's getting it out to his running backs. When it comes to those guys, give me Robert Woods because it's stable and give me that bump in quarterback play. So I'll take Robert Woods there. With Cooper Cup, he had five less targets than Robert Woods, five. He ended up with uh, 92 catches, 974 yards, and three touchdowns. He's going to be fine in this offense. Cooper Cup's going to be fine. Here's my problem. He's ranked 19 in front of Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett, Jamar Chase, Kenny Galladay, Brandon Ayuk, and Odell Beckham. That's the part where I get scared, right? So if we're talking about those guys, Deontay Johnson is going to get a massive amount of targets. I love him this year. I, and, and he did so well last year. It's not even really a discussion at this point. You know how I love DJ Moore. Tyler Lockett right now is one of the guys with the biggest upside. Jamar Chase, we don't know what's going to happen. But we all suspect that what they did in Cincinnati by bringing him in instead of prioritizing offensive line is getting the ball out really quickly. So Chase is going to have plenty of targets. And, and he knows his guy Burrow, right? Galladay, uh, I'm waffling on him. I will get him in a little bit. And Odell Beckham is, some, is somewhat of an afterthought in his offense. I have a problem drafting Cooper Cup over Tyler Lockett. I'll take Cooper Cup over Adam Thielen. I'll tell you that. That's the one that I'll go with. What's, and I know that he's ranked behind Adam Thielen. You got something against Adam Thielen. No, I don't. I don't. So here's what it is. Last year, he was so touchdown dependent. And that's hard to duplicate. And again, he's in the pecking order, right? It's Dalvin Cook. They want to run that offense all through Dalvin Cook, then Justin Jefferson, then uh, whatever they want to do with, with Adam Thielen. You're banking on touchdowns. And I don't like banking my fantasy wide receiver on having that many touchdowns with less catches. And let's not, you know, gloss over the fact he's 32. I know that that's not, you know, the end all for wide receivers, but I'm just talking about in his range. If you're talking about Adam Thielen and some other receivers, I'm with Adam Thielen. But when you talk about Adam Thielen and Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup, Deontay Johnson, no way that I'm taking Adam Thielen over any of those guys. I don't even want that sort of headache. I want the consistent production. Deontay Johnson is the number one in that offense. Same thing with, uh, you know, well, DJ Moore, but same thing with uh, probably Cooper Cup. It depends on how Stafford, you know, waffles it out. But remember, Cooper Cup missed the game as well, too. So it's a... Uh, it's uh, it's more about the efficiency. I don't like the way guys get their fantasy points. If Adam Thielen continues to just score off touchdowns, that's hard to duplicate and it's hard to predict. See, Thielen let me down in fantasy. There you go. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. So let's move on to the tight end, Tyler Higby, right? How are you feeling about him? So Higby falls into that hopeful tier, right? Gasicki, Ingram, Gronk, Tunyon. Those guys, right? After the after the elite group, again, we talked about it's like trying to figure out, you know, who's the next breakout guy. So here's the thing. It's hard to predict this pecking order, right? Woods, Cup, whatever, whatever running back. Um, but when Higby's been on the field by himself, he's produced. It's just you haven't seen the numbers, but that's with Jared Goff. So the only way that I really looked at it when I'm talking about how to predict is how did the target shake out Detroit, right? Detroit target their tight ends a lot because Stafford's coming over. I know different offenses, but I'm talking about tendencies with the quarterback. So last year, 22.9% of the Lions targets went to tight ends and the Rams had 22.4% with four more targets than Detroit. So I could, and, and, and the only thing that was really stopping Tyler Higby was Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett's in the way. Gerald Everett's not anymore. Tyler yeah. he could be one of those guys. When we're talking about this group of Ingram, Gronk, Tunyon, Gesicki, 
I think out of all those guys, I actually like Higby a little bit more because I think that he has his own role. With Ingram, we're trying to figure out how this target distribution is going to go and if he can learn how to catch the ball at a, at a great rate. With Gronk, it's hard to predict what week he's going to go off. Tunyon did so much with touchdowns. Again, the same thing with Thielen. It's hard to duplicate that. And Gesicki, I, I just don't know how that's going to work out with Tua and all those other weapons that they added. So with Higby, at least he has someone that is out of his way, and that's Everett. And uh, it looks like uh, Matthew Stafford actually targets the tight end. So Higby, somebody who, if you're not going to go for the elite tier, the one, two, three guys, if you want to wait a little bit longer, Higby might be somebody to swing on and, and hope for the best. All right. So now that we're done with the Arizona Cardinals, or really, I mean, not the Arizona Cardinals, the, the Rams, Los Angeles Rams, let's go to the Arizona Cardinals. And Kyler Murray, he's, he's somebody who's interesting because I think from a pure quarterback, that, like just how he plays, it's kind of up and down a little bit. But I, I'm assuming from a fantasy standpoint, he, he's a he's little fine. bit more intriguing, gives you a little bit more. What are you thinking? Yeah, top three. I mean, that's a don't overthink it with Kyler. You know, it's just the legs, the rushing floor. It just it lifts it up. If you notice the top three guys, there's one guy that stands above the other two, and that's that's Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't need to use his legs. That's different. He's in a whole different offense. But when you look at Josh Allen, Josh Allen took a step in in passing, but those legs, those rushing touchdowns, those extra yards. Kyler's going to have to make that happen because his coach is going to put him in bad spots and he's going to make plays because he is really good. So think about it like this. For fantasy, don't overthink Kyler Murray as a top three. In super flex drafts, I've been in, he's a top three pick. If it's if, if you want to take McCaffrey first, fine, but the next three, the next three are going to be quarterbacks, and he's always one of those three. He's in a tier with himself. He, remember, we talked about Josh Allen last episode. Murray outscored him on points per game basis. And think about how good Josh Allen was last year and how bad that Arizona offense looked toward the end of the year. Do not overthink Kyler Murray at all when it comes to fantasy. Now, are we going to overthink his running backs? Because you got Chase Edmonds there. You got James Conner. I know a lot of people are kind of high on the Edmonds right now. But then you got Conner who's coming over for the Steelers. It was kind of let down a little bit over the last year or so after having a, what, a pro Bowl rookie year. So where are you at with the uh, Arizona running backs? So Chase Edmonds, you know, the, his truthers were like throwing a parade once Kenyon Drake got out of there, right? And, you know, oh, it's time. Now. It's his time. Well, not so fast. James Conner's in the fold, right? Now, if you look at their skill sets, the both of them, Chase Edmonds offers you a little bit more receiving. James Conner and what we've seen from his Pittsburgh days, yeah, he can catch passes, but I don't think he's as athletic as Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds has a little bit more wiggle, and he offers you that. The problem is this, Croc. Again, we're looking at a split. I don't know where this is going to be. The outlook is murky when you talk about 55-45 run-pass ratio, right? And it's if you want to play – people are going to reach for Edmonds because they believe that this is his time now, right? Kenyon Drake was in his way, and everybody loved Kenyon Drake last year, but, you know, they had Chase Edmonds steal touchdowns from them. It's going to be more of a PPR thing. Chase Edmonds, when he's in this group, like, like we talked about Zach Moss, right? I'm much more willing to swing on Zach Moss in Buffalo than I am in Chase Edmonds. And it has to do nothing with really Chase Edmonds. It has to do more with his coach and how they plan to utilize both those guys. They're going to be in a, in a severe split. And if he's not getting goal line looks, I'm not really feeling Chase Edmonds. This, this backfield is murky, and I don't want any part of either James Conner or Chase Edmonds unless he falls to me at the right spot. Let other people go for Chase Edmonds and Chase, and chase that upside, but – I just can't stick with it, man. He had uh, a great time ca catching the ball last year, but it's hard to predict what he's going to be doing this year, especially when you talk about his play caller. 
That's a little scary. Then that receiver, this is a little scary as well. We know we're going to get from DeAndre Hopkins. I know you're going to get into him and the big-time protection that he has. But there's also A.J. Brown. I think that's where I want to start because you look at what he was in Cincy last year, statistically not his best year, but you look at, you know, he has still had over 100 targets, right? And now he's coming over in an offense that is spread out, that is – that does seem like they want to be a little pass happy, but you also have Christian Kirk who had a solid year last season. DeAndre Hopkins, he's going to eat up a lot of targets. Where are you at? Let's talk. We'll start with AJ Brown. Where are you at with him? Well, with AJ Green, man, I understand that. I mean, AJ Green. Know, I call him AJ Brown. I, my bad, y'all. You're good, man. Damn, if they got AJ Brown, we'd be screwed. No, <laughs> but AJ Green, man, last year when you watched him, it was tough for him in and out of breaks. He got targets. Like, it wasn't like Burrow was like, oh, man, look at this guy. I'm not throwing him the ball. They threw him the ball. He just. He there was one game, I believe it was the Cleveland game last year. Um, it was a Thursday night game. He had something like 14 targets and he caught four passes. That was how early much that, in the season. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, golly, he looks old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know if maybe that's him working his way back with no preseason, but I mean it's just it's tough to depend on that. Look, if you want to try AJ Green at the end of your drafts and hope you get something. Okay, I would look if we're talking about the three guys that they have behind because we don't have to talk about DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is a top five wide receiver. And imagine if Cliff Kingsbury moved him around and allowed him to play in different spots and stop running those three and five yard out routes. That's all he ran like with, with DeAndre Hopkins. It's ridiculous. You have the ultimate chess piece and receiver and you put him on the left side the entire time. And you just let him run three yard outs. It's malpractice almost. But with A.J. Green, if you want to take a shot at him at the end of the draft, I like him the best out of Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore. When it comes to Dynasty, Rondell Moore is somebody that you should be getting your hands on in the second round of your rookie draft. Don't overthink that one as well because A.J. Green's not going to be here for too much longer. Christian Kirk is disappointed. Everybody's been waiting for him to break out, man. It's just I don't know what it is. It's, it's just he doesn't have – I don't know how to explain it, Croc, that little it, right? Like guys who when the ball is thrown at them, they go get it. Like, like yeah. they, 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 I don't think he has that. I don't. I think he has to be wide open, clean, and he has to get the ball that way. Sure, there's a role for him. Sure, he could be a little bit productive on weeks. But again, I'm not banking on any of these receivers to give me week in, week out production, especially when you're talking about the play caller. So uh, it's going to be really rough with those guys. But give me AJ Green out of all those guys, but you got to take him late and just see what happens. You can't be starting him week to week hoping for something. You start to see something, you start to see trends going in the right way, then you can plug them. I'm not telling you to go out there and draft them, but if you're asking me out of all of them, it'll probably be A.J. Green because he could be a red zone guy for them. Andy Isabella, Rondell Moore. Andy Isabella, yeah. I mean, dude, it's just there, there's too many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to all those things. And, you know, it, it's it's just weird that they drafted Rondell Moore. They had other things that I felt like they could have addressed better, but I'm not knocking Rondell Moore because I think he's a great receiver. I just didn't like the situation for him for a redraft in fantasy. And Dynasty, make sure that you get your hands on him in any rookie draft that you're in, second round. I've seen uh, I've seen him slip to the top of third um, in, in a few rookie drafts. So that's something that you guys should keep your eyes on. And this and this uh, show is sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. We talk a lot of best ball on Underdog Fantasy. That's the format that we've been using right now. I think towards the start of the season, we'll have some more traditional uh, formats that they're using, but best ball, right? When you look at that, now you're more inclined to possibly draft someone that you probably wouldn't take in a in a regular kind of formatted league. So when you look at best ball, is AJ Green a little bit more intriguing for that format? Because hey, maybe there is the possibility that he can get off, even if it's not something consistent. It can be two games a year, but all of a sudden he gives you you know three touchdowns. 
Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So if you want to take him at the end of those drafts, because people aren't going out there and reaching for him. I've been in a few best ball drafts, and he sometimes he goes undrafted. That, that's very possible. So, again, you want to take him, and there's that week where, hey, they're at the one, and Kyler drops back, and he's tossing it up to A.J. Green, and he catches two or three of those. Boom, there's your week. You know, So best ball, I, that's, the, that's the appeal of best ball is you're just banking on talent and you don't have to set lineups. It's a beautiful thing. And I really like the format because <laughs> you you really can uh, you really can rack up the points. It's always the highest total points and it's always your best players play every week as long as they produce. So I, I like the best ball format. And talking about best players because um, we're done with Arizona. They don't have any tight ends. A team that does have tight ends, San Francisco 49ers. We're going to get into them now. I know y'all been waiting on this. All right. First, we got to start with the quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming I'm going to get a – and I'm out on him because it is when it comes to the 49ers quarterbacks. You got Trey Lance. You uh-huh. got Jimmy Garoppolo. I almost think, like, is this – and, you know, I don't know exactly what to call it because, I'm you know, I'm new to the whole fancy thing. But is this like a handcuff situation where you figure, okay, they got Trey Lance. Ideally, I probably don't want to draft any of these guys. But if I do draft Trey Lance, at some point if he gets in, there could be a scenario – where he's giving you some points because not just through the air, but he can give you those rushing touchdowns potentially. Where are you at with the 49er quarterbacks? So in single quarterback leagues, look, guys, please don't kill me. You shouldn't be drafting either of these guys right now unless we find out tomorrow or at the end of the at the end of pre, uh, preseason that Trey Lance is starting, okay? Listen to what I just said. I'm just talking about for fantasy, okay? Jimmy Garoppolo can give you a fine week here and there, but you don't want to be depending on him in one quarterback leagues. If you're playing the streaming game and you identify an opponent where, you know, Jimmy throws for 400 against Arizona, cool, you can play him that week. But don't be out there trying to draft Jimmy Garoppolo, right? If you're going to take a stab on somebody, it's Trey. But we have to know, like, don't waste a draft pick at the end of your draft on Trey if we don't know he's a starter, if everybody, if all points to Jimmy, right? Now, in super flex leagues, if we're talking two quarterback leagues, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get drafted. But Trey Lance is the guy that I'm going to be swinging on at the end of drafts. Same thing with Justin Fields, because when those guys take over what they offer with their legs, that rushing floor, you can't you can't account for that. That rushing floor is too much. What, what Trey's going to do with the ball in his hands, or they're going to run the ball. There's no doubt in my mind that if you thought they were run heavy when Jimmy was there they'll be even more run heavy with Trey right because they have all that to unlock so that's what I mean like Jimmy Garoppolo one quarterback leagues don't do it if you're talking about super flex league super flex leagues yeah he'll be drafted let somebody else draft him but take your shot at Trey at the end of the draft man take that shot leave him on your bench because when he's ready to go he can be somebody like Jalen Jalen Hurts led people to a lot of championships in two quarterback leagues last year when he was plugged in Boom, 40-point game against Arizona. Boom, you're in the championship on weeks like that. That's the sort of things that Trey Lance can do. So when it comes to the quarterback debate, one quarterback leaves, you shouldn't be going for either of these guys. Trey Lance can stay on the waiver wire until you get the heads up. But in super flex leagues, you have to take a swing on Trey Lance at the end of your draft. Same thing with, uh, with somebody like Justin Fields because of what they offer you with the legs. The 49ers are a weird team because when you look at their roster, they have so many good, talented players. But then... There's a lot of like just question marks. And you look at the running back situation and again, more question marks. I look at a guy like Raheem Mostert and he's someone who can score from anywhere on the field. The weird thing with the 49ers is a lot of times the guy that you think is going to get a lot of fancy points ends up being this whole other guy. There was one year, 2019, their 49ers were a few games in and this guy, I don't know, Jeff Wilson, maybe he had 10 carries, but he also had like five touchdowns. And it's like- Kevin Coleman. You know, you're drafting other guys like Tevin Coleman or um, who uh, Jared McKinnon, but I know he had got injured early in that year. But you're drafting these other guys. The next thing you know, it's a guy 
Jeff Wilson, who probably you didn't even think he was going to make the team, he's leading the team in touchdowns. Yeah. So what do you do with the 49ers at the running back position? How do you draft uh, this team? Because you see what they did. They drafted a guy, Trey Sermon, and a lot of people are expecting him to have a big year. But then you still have Raheem Mostert there. And if Raheem Mostert is healthy, he's definitely a guy who's explosive. You see he scored in the passing game on like a 75-yard touchdown catch last year on the first game of the season against the Arizona Cardinals. But I don't know. Their usage just seems to be inconsistent and seems like guys get a little bit banged up. So where are you at with the 49er running backs? Just draft the cheapest one, and that's Trey Sermon. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm. Look, let someone else draft Raheem Mostert. You're gonna get weeks like week one and week two. Remember, week one last year, like you said, 70 yard touchdown on a pass. The next week, first play, 80 out the gate, boom, touchdown. That's what Raheem Mostert can do for you, right? But you talked about it, the injuries, the way that they want to use him, and and uh, call me crazy, but I really believe that the 49ers want to dial back Mostert's touches to get him back to that optimal 12 to 15 touch range, right? Like I, I saw that they ran the offense through him last year, but you have to think about Tevin Coleman was largely ineffective. Jarek McKinnon was the only other back on the roster. So they rode Raheem Mostert and then he got injured. Now to your point, look at how well Jeff Wilson does in this offense. Right. And I think the Trey Sermon profiles more as the, the bell cow than any of these guys let him soften the defenses up. And I think that at the end of the day, it's all about what you invest. Are you going to invest a six round pick and Raheem Mostert? That's a high pick. Or will you fall back until the 10th, 11th, 12th round, take Trey Sermon, sit, let it play out, and then when he gets a stranglehold on things, boom, you got yourself an RB2 that's locked and loaded because we know what this rushing offense is, especially if Trey Lance takes over, especially if Trey Lance takes over. Yeah. Whoever the running back is going to be, if Trey Lance takes over, is going to go to the moon. Think about an RPO where that ball's in the belly, Debo's running by. Now you got to worry about, did he toss it to Debo? Does Trey have it? Did he hand it off? Defenses are not going to know what to do with it. I'm always going to draft the cheapest running back um, on the 49ers. One more thing, too, that makes this murky. Wayne Gallman is not going anywhere, especially with Jeff Wilson being out for six weeks. Wayne Gallman is going to play. He's definitely going to play, and I don't think that people realize how much he's going to play because he doesn't cost them anything to do that, and it's so good that he did that because, unfortunately, Jeff Wilson got injured. But Wayne Gallman is solid. For anybody who's played fantasy football, he stepped in and filled in admirably for for Saquon Barkley last year. So uh, this is a guy that's not – he's not a slouch at all. So what I'm going to do is I'll allow it to play out. I don't want to try to guess who's going to be the number one running back in week one. I'd rather play the guessing game and find out who's going to take it over later on. And I really, in my heart of hearts, think that they want to dial back Raheem Mostert a little bit just to get him those more efficient touches because the way that they ran that offense, like you talked about, Tevin Coleman had four touchdowns against the Carolina Panthers in 2019. Uh, the way that they ran him was Coleman started, he ran in between the tackles, kind of softened the defense up, and then Shanahan put in Mostert, knew where to attack, hit him with the outside zone. So I think that they want to get back to that. But Trey Sermon is the guy that I'm targeting at the end of all my drafts and holding on to, waiting for it to all shake out. All right, so and a lot of these guys now, any of these guys, and again, this this show is uh, powered by Underdog Fantasy. We got Best Ball. Are you interested in any of these running backs from a Best Ball standpoint? Where maybe we don't know what we're gonna get on a consistent basis, but there could be those games where I might be a little bit more inclined to take a guy high in Best Ball than I would in a you know a more regular kind of format fantasy league. In best ball, then there would be Mostert because, again, like we just talked about, those weeks that when he goes off and he's scoring two touchdowns and he has 130 yards, right, like you don't want to have to pick and choose what week that is. So best ball is like he's just on your he's on your team. And you know what? In best ball, you could double up. 
You could do most of it. You could do sermon and then whatever, which one of those two pops off, then that's the one that's going to be inserted into your lineup. So I think best ball changes the strategy and uh, most has a little bit more upside in that format because he can win you weeks with those big weeks that he has. All right. So what I'm going to do right now, and I just posted it into the chat. There's a link to a best ball league. That's going to be a 12 user league. As soon as the league is full, the draft will start. All right. So it's $5 to enter when you use promo code Crocky. You will get an additional $25 added to your account. So if you guys are interested in a league of best ball, go ahead, click that link. Let's get in there. All right. Use promo code Crocky. All right. Now, 49ers receivers, another situation where best ball format might be more beneficial to these guys because who is going to be the wide receiver one guy, right? Who's going to get a bulk of the targets? Don't know who the wide receiver three is going to be. I know me and my dog. Uh, Jasper Rose, we were talking about on Whiteout Wednesday, who's the better fantasy receiver. And, and that's the difference with the 49ers. You got two receivers that you know they want to heavily get involved, right? You got Debo Samuel. You got Brandon Ayuk. From a fantasy standpoint, I know who I'm leaning towards. Who are you leaning towards when it comes to the 49ers receivers and who you would draft first? Man, this is a tough one. And it, it may seem as easy as this. So I'm just going to rattle off some stats real quick. So last year, Brendan Ayuk, 96 targets, 67, 48, and five touchdowns with six rushes, 77 yards, and two touchdowns. Because that's important to point that out. And why I point that out is because I'm going to reference Debo Samuel's 2019 when the offense was going to be at least a little bit closer to what I think this offense is going to be now. Because last year was just, we know, you know, the quarterback play and everything. And he was injured. Let's just, it's, it's hard to correlate what he did last year because he only played five games, right? So in 2019, and remember, it took Debo Samuel a little while to crack that, that snap percentage, right? Like he was used here and there. And then when he finally did, it was when he was really utilized. So this is pretty close. Ayuk had 96 targets. Debo had 81. Uh, Debo had 57 catches. Now, remember, his depth of target is a lot different than Brandon Ayuk's because of the way that they utilize him. I know that that was a large discussion on 49ers Twitter about where he is and where he fits, but that's still, we're just talking fantasy. 57 catches, 802 yards. So on 15 less targets in 2019, he still had more yards than Brandon Ayuk. He had two less touchdowns, but he had one more rushing touchdown. So that's seven touchdowns for Ayuk, six for Debo. They're both going to be values, right? But there's going to be those weeks where Debo goes off, Ayuk goes off. It's going to be harder to predict this year because, remember, with Debo out the way, it was just Ayuk all last year. And Ayuk was bomb when he had his chance, right? So if they're both healthy, it's going to be tough to figure out, figure out who. It's going to have to be game plan sense, right? So, like, with the Rams no, I don't game, want to hear that. I want to hear who are you going to take. Oh, okay. Uh, who am I taking? I'm probably going to target Ayuk just because in PPR, I just like the the, the deeper shots um, for him. Like I said, you know, I know that, again, Debo had more yards, but the targets are there for, for him. It's just the pecking order, right? The wide receiver one on this team, and we don't really have to talk about him. The wide receiver one on this team is George Kittle, and he's a top three, uh, he's a top three tight end. He's just behind Waller in, in my eyes. It's, it's Kelsey, Waller, and Kittle for fantasy. For fantasy, for fantasy. That's it. You don't get yeah, points for they blocks. Were gonna, they were going to jump jump through the uh, chat and strangle you for, yeah. for uh, yeah. kind of having them in that order. No, 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 no. And the thing is, is you don't get paid for blocks. You don't get paid or you don't get points for those. So, so I'm not saying that Waller's a better – Waller's just more involved. Waller gets more targets. That's it. He's yeah. just more involved. That has nothing to do with it. I'm not talking about who's the better player. Kittle's the top three tight end, but he's the wide receiver one. So it depends. If Lance is – if Jimmy's in there, then who do you think is going to get more targets? Uh, and if Debo and Brandon Ayuk are healthy? I, I mean – Debo? Debo. Yes. 
Yes, because of how they utilize this, him. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, because this is the thing, too, because I think in when you traditionally think of the receivers and how they're utilized, right, you are you would think, like, well, Ike's going to get more of the targets. But then Debo gets these cheap, like, uh, kind of receptions where, you know, little shovel passes and Push things pass. where they just work to get the ball into his hands. So I think from that standpoint, man, like, it's tough because Debo might down the field or slants or whatever might get targeted five times, but then he can get another three targets that will 100% be completions because they're doing little shovel passes to him. Next thing you know, he has seven catches for 100 yards, and you're like, dude, where hundred six seven four hundred yards? Where'd this come from? Well, four of them were behind the line of scrimmage, and he ran for another 20 yards. So that's the tough thing when it comes to Debo, and why I actually lean more towards him and feel like I'm going to consistently get production than I would from Ayuk, who I still think is going to be like, you know, terrific and do well, but is going to get those, like those cheap yardage like that you're going to get from Debo Samuel. I think that's a big question. Jimmy's better for Debo and Lance is better for Ayuk. That's the best way I can put it. Honestly, that's the best way I can put it. And uh, until we know who's going to be who, then you'll know who the value is. And again, with Debo, it's just a concern about the injuries. That's it too. And where you're going to have to draft him. Um, I think really that's going to, Base, that's going to come down to you, basically, and how you're risk-averse in your draft. Like, are you willing to risk it? Are you willing to have him out there? Because I really think that Debo's going to put it together this year. But, again, the way when Jimmy's in there, they do give him those easy catches, right? And if you don't watch games, like you said, like if you don't watch the game and you look at the stat line and you see seven, 120, two touchdowns, you're like, man, Debo's killing him. Well, he probably caught a slant and he's taking it all on yards after the catch, you know, <laughs> yeah. or one of those push passes. So that's another thing that you really need to get in there. So with Ayuk, Jimmy kind of holds him back as far as fantasy goes. Trey would unlock a little bit more with Ayuk, but Debo feels safer when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo playing because you know that they want to get him the ball in space and they're always going to manufacture those touches for him. Well, we got another contribution right here from Double B Studios. Thank we you, bro. appreciate that, man. And he's basically saying... With Trey Lance on the team, do we think that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo would take more downfield shots? And, you know, I'll start off answering this question because I kind of compared it to a situation over in Kansas City. And I'm not saying that Trey Lance is Mahomes and Jimmy G is Alex Smith. But I will say from just the situation and kind of watching what happened there, we saw Alex Smith relax a little bit more. And I think he kind of went more towards a, a thing where it's like, you know what, took on the mindset of, I, it's a lose. I don't want to say it's a lose lose situation, but regardless, I'm kind of out of here next year. So let me just relax. I don't have to be as tense. I don't have to feel like I'm going to be have to be perfect every play. And I am going to take more downfield shots. And I looked at something that was very interesting. This dude played one less game and had the best year of his career. He, in playing less a, a less game, he still had like 500 more yards on a similar amount of targets than he did the previous season. So definitely he got more comfortable throwing the ball down the field. And I have my guy Greg Pinelli on uh, QB Monday on the show. And, you know, one thing I was talking about was, you know, a quarterback being comfortable and confident throwing the ball downfield, does that make him more accurate downfield? And I think that's kind of what happened with Alex Smith, where he's a guy who's notoriously a check down Charlie. But I think he just felt a little loose in the sense of, and they're going to go to this guy anyways behind me, so I'm just going to let it rip. And he was letting it rip throwing it downfield, and he had the best year of his career. I could see Garoppolo doing something very similar, where it's like, at the end of the day, it's this dude behind me, team. I have nothing to lose. Uh, I'm probably going to be out of here next year anyways. I made a lot of money in the time with me being here. Let me just go out there 
and play free. And if he does that, we're going to see the best version of Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think that includes him throwing the ball down the field. What do you think? And to your point, that's absolutely true because, remember, that was the first year with Kareem Hunt, and I can see it right now, week one against New England, him throwing the ball down the field to Kareem Hunt, right? And here's here's where your 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 point makes absolute sense. PFF, that was the high – that was the – I think that was the career high for Alex Smith, his big time throw um, percentage. It was 6%, almost double what he ever had done down the field. Now, a lot of that has to do with scheming open with Andy Reid, but a lot of that has to do with Alex Smith playing a little bit more free. So I think there is at least a precedent when, you know, you talk about these two situations because a lot of people like to compare them. But yes, Alex Smith in that last year, right before Patrick Mahomes went in there, his his big play, his big throw percentage went up, according to PFF, to six percent which was something he would never get close to approaching um under normal circumstances so there may be a, a a world where you know we understand that jimmy doesn't like to throw the ball down the field into tight windows but kyle shanahan schemes guys open and i think he should have that in the back of his mind of trying to hit bigger throws like that so that is a really good point and i think that if you are comparing the situations there is a little bit of precedent with that with alex smith taking that jump in that last year right before mahomes took over yep 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 and talk about taking the jump 49ers have the last guy we're going to talk about was probably the best player on the team, George Kittle, big time tight end. You talked about having him third right behind Kelsey and Waller from for fantasy purposes. For fantasy. Should we cl uh, clarify that? All right. And we know what he brings to the team. I feel like everything really runs through George Kittle on the offensive side of the ball, whether it's the run game or the pass. Um, they do a lot of different play action things off of him, run the action, sneak him out, give him the ball in space. His run after catch is amazing. He's like the best run after catch tight end or even receiver in the league. All right. So we just need him to stay healthy. What kind of season are you expecting from George Kittle? As long as he's healthy, then he's going to be fine. And I think I'm going to let fine, you cook though. him. Let's no, all right. So, so we're talking about a hundred catches. We're going to be talking about a thousand something yards. The only thing that he needs to improve is touchdowns. That's it. Yeah. You know, he's never really had more than like, I think it's like five or six. That's the only thing. That's the thing that Kelsey, you know, with the receptions and all those other things, it's, it's the touchdowns. We're playing a fantasy football game, right? Darren Waller is racking up a hundred, hundred something catches, all those yards and touchdowns. George Kittle just needs to take a jump in touchdowns. If he does, then he has a an easy chance to jump over Waller. He needs to put up at least eight, nine, 10 touchdowns. But I wanted to let you cook a little bit more because I feel like, you know, when it comes to George Kittle, I, I feel like the perception around him is, oh, uh, well, you know, Shanahan schemes him open. Like, Kittle don't got them routes. Talk to me, Croc. Like, like do, do people sleep on George Kittle routing people up? Yeah, so what people do is, and they, they do it with Debo Samuel as well. When someone does something extremely well, People pay attention to that and then kind of minimize what they do in other areas of their game, all right? So George Kittle, he's notoriously known as a ter terrific run-after-catch guy, and people attribute a lot of that to Kyle Shanahan. And then he's a terrific run blocker. So what do they say? Great run blocker, great after-catch, but, uh, you know, his routes, because he's not known as a pure receiving tight end, all oh, routes aren't that great. And that could not be further from the truth. I think he runs very good routes. I think he plays quick. I think he's twitchy. I think he understands exactly how to use leverage against defensive backs or linebackers. I don't know how you cover him because when you have 
defensive backs in there tight lined up against him. He's too physical for him and quick at the same time. So he uses his power, he uses his strength, he uses his speed, quickness, and twitchiness to get open, catch the ball. And then after that, he's tough to bring down in space. And you see this consistently from him. But for some reason, everybody acts like they're not seeing him, man. They're covering their eyes. And it's like, no, no, no. Kyle Shanahan did that. I'm like, Kyle Shanahan schemed him open on a slant? Like, he just ran a slant and whooped the DB. He just ran a nod route where he pushed up, uh, faked inside, you know, jabbed outside, came back out and got open, caught the ball, ran up field. I mean, like, that that's him. That's not Kyle Shanahan scheming him open. Not just Kyle Shanahan put him in positions at times to be wide open, but naked like we saw against Green Bay on, it was like Sunday night or Monday night football. Yeah, like, yeah, he's going to do that. But there are a lot of times where it's like, dude, it's, it's George Kittle too. Like, he's just winning, and he's just good. So, I mean – I think there's this perception. Same with thing with Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey's so great at being a receiving tight end. But he end, can't block. He can't but block. But he can't block. And it's like, Who said that? he's a terrific no. run blocker. Mm-hmm. He is. And and I think that's a, a good point. I think realistically, the only thing that is holding him back from being a top one, top two tight end in fantasy is just the touchdowns. Those got to go up. You can't you can't have four or five, right? Like you have to have at least eight um, to be in that conversation with Waller. Waller's just too important to their offense. In, in, and especially when you consider now who's gone. Aguilar's gone. They leaned on him last year. They have less weapons now. So Ruggs, Smokey Brown, Waller, that's it. It's really going to be Waller as number one, and everybody else is going to have to play off of him. So, and and I suspect that George Kittle is going to be the number one, but it, it, the offense just doesn't run through him in that way because the 49ers do want to run the ball. They do want to use him in that way. So, you know, if he could get a little bit more usage and just, and he just needs a small bump in touchdowns. That's it, man. And and he'll be right back where he was. You know, you can't um expect to have him break the tight end record every year for receiving yards to to return that value for you. But if you're listen. Uh, here's the best advice I can give you guys. Get one of these three guys on your team and do not worry about the tight end position for the rest of the year, please. I, I beg you, you don't want to be one of those guys that's looking to, you know, pick up somebody else every week, play the matchups. That is annoying, honestly. I was literally in a best ball tournament where I'm 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 at the 12th pick, it's super flex. First pick uh, at 12, Russell Wilson. Second pick, Travis Kelsey. I'll double back for, for running backs, and I'll double back for wide receivers after that. There's so many great wide receivers. There's so many running backs that you can have that, that'll give you a steady floor. To have that positional advantage of those first three tight ends, it's impeccable. And anybody who had Travis Kelsey on their team last year probably counted their money and won a bunch of fantasy titles. And the same thing with uh, if you got Waller on your team. Yeah, man. So, shoot, guys, that's going to do it for the NFC West. Drop that knowledge on y'all, helping you guys with your fantasy teams. Uh, if you guys did not see in the chat, I put a link to an underdog fantasy football league, best ball format. All right. Um, so make sure you guys click on that. Get in that if you guys want to be active there. Make sure you guys, if you do sign up for underdog fantasy, type in promo code Crocky so you can get an additional $25 to your $10 or more that you choose to deposit. But on that note, this is going to be it for me and Jason. We will not be on Thursday. We'll both actually be in California on that day. I'll be coming back on Sunday. I'm not sure when he gets back. But we'll be coming back live next Tuesday to talk about the AFC West for y'all, all right? And we've talked about Kelsey already, but we're going to get into – and Darren Waller. But we're going to get into more guys from the um, AFC West. We appreciate you guys – for sticking with us throughout this time. I appreciate you guys as my internet connection dips right now. I actually have the internet uh, people right now. They're actually watching my live stream right now. 
to see like and they're watching the numbers i was like man you guys tune in for so you guys can see what's going on so they're actually tuned in watching seeing what's going on with my live stream i'm trying to get this thing fixed all right but on that note i appreciate all y'all in here i appreciate everybody for contributing in the chat and shoes from myself jason aponte we are out peace, peace. Crop Talk TV Podcast. Podcast. Mm.